Yeah, I'll pray. I'll pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Well, hey, speaking of the silent guest, I met Stephanie Espinoza and a number of uh, Life Teen missionaries. So this is also a shout out to Life Teen missionaries. But she said that she had a part to play in the uh, in the yeah. silent guest guest T-shirt. So yeah, that T-shirt was her idea. Shout out to her and shout out to all the <laughs> Life Teen missionaries that I. Wait, yeah, so I, I helped out at a camp this this past week called John Fifteen, where these missionaries who had worked over the summer or the past couple of years at Life Teen camps, they spend the semester away at school and colleges, and then they have the like a four day retreat where they all come back together over Christmas break and um, kind of relive community life there um, up at one of their camps called Hidden Lake. But a number, a number of the missionaries came up and um, some I knew, some I didn't know, but listened to, listened to the podcast. So huh. uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I I didn't know that we had entered into the life teen scene there, but apparently we have. Probably through her, through Stephanie. Probably. She's, a, she's an evangelist. Somehow, we're more famous than I thought. I keep thinking we're less famous than I think, but no, it's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fame. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a fickle master. <laughs> she is. She's a cross. Hmm. How you doing, Roberto? You guys are Good. in parishes for for Christmas, so you guys are probably busy. Truth, yeah. It's it's been a, I've it's been a nice stretch. I didn't get. I got sick last year, like real sick at Christmas. Um, and yeah, it was pretty funny. It was like a month ago. One of she grew up in this parish, but now she's out at the university, so she's real involved at Newman. Um, a freshman this year, Maria. She's awesome. Um, but she was laughing. I don't even, yeah, a month ago or so, but she, somebody was asking me what I was doing for Christmas, and I was saying, I'm just looking forward to not being sick this year. And she was like, oh, yeah, Father Rob, man, like at Christmas Eve, you looked awful last year. (laughs) It was just, and she was so sincere in it. I love her a lot, but I was like, man, I must have looked really, really bad. Uh, I'm good and healthy, which is good. Seared in her memory a year later. Yeah, I, it was pretty. It was pretty rough last year, um, but that's really good. Um, the deacon here preached. Uh, he's a transitional deacon for our diocese. He comes up from Kenrick, Deacon Michael Trummer. Shout out! Um, he gave a really nice homily this weekend, and he just talked about at the end um, practicing the presence of God. He was talking about God being mm. with us, mm. and I don't know. It was kind of a simple point that um, he was making, and he was saying like in doing this he just told this story of he had just been back home and uh he's he just took a walk after it snowed and he lives in this little town and he was like yeah i just was i took a walk and kind of by all standards i sh- it should have been kind of a lonely experience it's just in this little you know small town so like nobody is out and i just walked up to the park to, to kind of see the beauty of the snow 
And I just called to mind God's presence. And I just had this overwhelming sense that like I wasn't alone and God was with me. And I don't know. I mean, I know that's like, I was like, man, that's, I was just really struck at how beautiful that story was. And it was just as simple as that, as he told it in the homily. So I've been trying to practice the presence of God for the past 24 hours. And it's really, that's like a really powerful prayer, honestly. Yeah. So life is good. Isn't there a book by, is it Brother Lawrence titled Practicing the Presence? I've definitely heard of, I have not read that book. It's very short. You should read it. Is it is that is it Brother Lawrence? Is was yeah. Mike right? Huh. I would like to read it. It's mostly letters that he wrote to somebody who asked him about his thing. I think I can't remember his whole story, but he was a um, a monk, maybe a convert monk, who lived a very simple life. Um, I get him mixed up with other famous simple guys that were like porters at monasteries and didn't do anything really of consequence <laughs> from a worldly perspective, but ended up after death being like, oh, this guy was a spiritual master and only a few yeah. people knew it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, when I read it, it was it was at a time a couple years ago that you know, I really needed to hear it. And it is the simplest thing, but man, is it profound. And when you do practice it, I mean, ideally we should all be praying always and recognizing that God's always in our presence. But there's something about thinking about it as a practice, something practical, like, hey, I'm walking through the snow, or I am folding my laundry, or I am sitting in a meeting. How do I practice the presence of God right now instead of bracket him until next time I have time to pay attention to him? Hmm. You know, uh, and he gives some, some practical tools. But I found it exhausting, actually. Hmm. It makes life much more intense because you're like, oh, God is always here showing me himself uh in the simple stuff hmm. and lo loving me intensely and it made That's me a very, i'm very intrigued by the word exhausting there yeah say more about that it just made me think boy i think of heaven as like a nice hot bath or like a margarita on the beach but it is gonna be not just like oh we're just chilling now uh all the work is over it's like this is an inf infinite love that's inexhaustible and uh, is not just going to be a, an extension of this life, but rather like an enter into the divine life. And you're seeing God face to face, which is our best m metaphor for it. That's going to be intense, you know? Mm. Um, I just think of like the few really intense spiritual experiences I've had where I felt like the veil gets pierced for me for a moment, like on my 30 day, mm -hmm. the last day of yeah. the retreat, there was a day on the eight day, the first eight day I did at IPF. Um, you're like, Oh, this is what this is like. It's not just a simple chilling. It's very intense. And you become transparent too, because you're like, Oh, nothing. Yeah, that's right. God sees me and he sees everything, even stuff I don't see. Um, so the intimacy is is profound. So there's no just pretending and and going through life and and stuff like that. Mhm. Mm yeah, read that book. I'll uh I can send you a link to it. Yeah, do it. Do it. Mm. Hmm. Bacardi and Cola. Any thoughts, do Mike? It. Do it.
Yeah, no, I just think of um, all the times in my life where something in front of me has demanded a response of like of all of me and how it can be really exhilarating and take a lot of energy and can be exhausting but um but it engages like all of my senses it engages my whole mind and my whole heart um like a a task or a person yeah probably a a person is probably the best example but yeah I, i that sounds like what um what you're describing there connor it's like uh heaven is going to be god's presence is something that like my whole body my whole everything longs for um and it engages all of these faculties that i have uh in this new really intense way and yeah that's no joke to live that way yeah because there's i, I wonder also the word exhausting is is interesting there because there's also an aspect of rest in God's presence. And I wonder how that comes into play there. Um, like what, 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 what full rest, uh, is like in God's presence. Yeah. Yeah. I always say, I always think of that and I don't know what rest, even like the, when we say rest in peace, something like that, like what that would translate all the way back to, to really kind of hold, (laughs) the deeper meaning of it. But I find myself, I found myself the last, especially few months when like people are not asking advice necessarily, but just, yeah, talking about like God's presence in and kind of his will and action in people's lives. I always use the word fit. Like, does it feel like it fits in kind of at a very deep level? Um, it Does this thing... Um, is there that sense of like, this is as it should, should be. Um, I don't know that I, that I always, I, I remember, I think it might've been like father Gallagher used to talk about that with the, the, the rules of Ignatius. And that was a word that he would use a lot when talking about God's, um, like consolation is certainly, but I think just about like discerning spirits correctly and getting to a place of indifference and then, like really being able to freely freely live in the presence of God was there has to be this sense of like um, when he's talking about a deeper peace or God giving you your deepest desires that does not inf- entail exactly. I think what you were saying, this is like just going to have drinks on a beach somewhere. Like it's not a vacation, even in the heaven heavenly reality, but there's this, this reality kind of being there that nope this is exactly in this moment where i'm supposed to be does that make any sense mm-hmm. yeah and i am exactly who i'm supposed to be like yeah no 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 shred of my old self is is still there except what's been transfigured by death with christ you know um yeah. So and I'm like, I'm yeah, totally alive too. now. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing in me that that wants to die, which is sin and concupiscence. It's like choosing mm. a, a lesser version of life. Um, you know, that's what the saints show you is like they live extremely intensely. Um, 
where there's no there's no like de- defense mechanisms or coping mechanisms to to life they just it's not like they spiritualize everything and so oh well i'm just going to get through this life it's it's like they enter kind of like we were talking about last week with the writing the story um that you you see beyond the world to the other world but it makes you live this world more well i don't know more intensely is the, is the word i'm keeps coming back uh that you don't you don't ignore anything or anyone yeah. um, because god's presence is mediated to you through through a snowy walk but also through a dying person or a you know the the everyday things that you do in life and the and the extraordinary events uh that usually are more like call your attention to that fact that there's another world um yeah i like that there's something there i don't know I mean, we don't have to keep talking about it but to me even that kind of the vagueness that we're able to describe that in there's something totally different than that and i'm also going to butcher this but there's like a nuanced way that I think I fall into a lot. And I think it's very easy to, of just saying like, uh, just in a sense, taking your circumstances and saying like, well, this is obviously God's God's will because look how it worked out. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, no, God's presence is there with you. And it's like the Chiswick thing of like, God's will is the concrete circumstances that are right, right in front of you. Um, but that also doesn't mean that like everything has gone like exactly to God's plan in like a puppet show way either. Um, but I'm always like hesitant. I don't know. And I, I don't even have an example I'm thinking of, but I think you just pick up on that language um, sometimes of like, Oh, well, like, look what happened or, you know, this thing worked out really well. So like, you know, God is obviously blessing us here Mm. and it's like true, but there's just so much more nuance like to that statement. Um, And also the the end is not that things work out. Right. That's what I keep getting coming back to in my own life is like, what do I really want is not like when I go to pray for him to whisper in my ear like this is why this is happening and so i understand it more or for him to like fix the things that are bothering me um i want god period you know uh whatever that looks like and i don't even know um but that's why he he has to teach me what i desire truly and then give it to me um i'm just this i mean the more you're what did Hennessy say about the Holy Spirit with the like the whole spiration of the Trinity and stuff that, you know, the Father begets the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the, and the Spirit is like the absolute poverty, which is the precondition of being filled or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that we we are the image of God in the in the um measure that we assent to being creatures, which is that we have nothing. We're we're just like ex nihilo created. And, um, we just look at our creator and we're like, fill me. I love you. Thanks for making me. Um, but I think a lot of times the spiritual life, a a trap that one can fall into is like 
God becomes a player in my story rather than the other way around. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, where, like I just uh, I finished this <clears throat> short little series on Amazon called Forever. I saw it had Fred Armisen in it, and I, was, I think he's really funny. He is really funny. Um, is he on the cast today? Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> sitting right here. Um, anyways, it's uh, the two of them die in the beginning. It's him and Maya Rudolph, who's also on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. And they're married, and they just live this kind of boring life. They, they love each other, and they, you know, they have fun and stuff, but they never had kids, and they just sort of live this sort of bourgeois middle-class life in California. Um, and they both die, and they end up in whatever you want to call it, not really heaven, um, but they they just end up in the suburbs, in this old like abandoned town that mold had infected, and now in like the what they call current life, the people that are still alive are called currents. Nobody goes there. Um, it's just this abandoned town, but in every house there's a dead person who lives there, and it's like all the things from their era that they liked are in the house. Um, but they're all pretty lonely and bored and they just, they never get sick or die. And if they stand in front of a car when it's driving by, they don't get hit. And, um, and the story is, I won't won't spoil it, but I, I didn't, I kept waiting for there to be some kind of like, this isn't heaven and there's going to be some other thing. Uh, this is purgatory or something, but it really was not that deep. It was, it was more like, they are each other's salvation kind of and they need to like let go of their inhibitions and be more adventurous and um but what was interesting was just the thought that what if you died and then on the other side it was just this life and all your stupid hang-ups and fears and habits were exactly the same and it was even the same people in the same way um no, it has to be totally, not totally different, but like totally fulfilled and restored. Um, so like I'm reading this book, Liturgy and Personality by Dietrich von Hildebrand for a, a priest book club. And he talks about that how... sounds like a priest book club. Yeah, book. totally. It's a, it's a <laughs> book I would have read in seminary, but I haven't, I haven't read one of those in a while. Um, like a Ratzinger or a... Von Balthazar or something like that. But he talks about how, uh, I, I used this in my homily yesterday, the difference between being normal and average. Uh, hmm. He says like normal, normal is actually rare because what, <clears throat> what does it mean to be normal? Like anything that God created exists to glorify him. Most of it passively, like the mountains or the squirrels, glorify God by just being who they are. And they can't, can't be anything but what they are, but they give God glory. And we give God the most glory because we conscience, consciously choose to, especially through the liturgy and, and worship of him, adoration of God, but also through our just goodness by um, the goodness of who we are, no matter what we do, but then also our moral goodness and in, in obeying the commandments and, and doing great things. Um, but only Christ is normal. We all, we all became like average and mediocre and abnormal. That's what sin, that's the thing about sin is like, it's not human to err. 
um, it's inhuman to sin. And we, it's a violation of our nature because it's choosing not to glorify God and to glorify ourselves instead. And so Christ comes to do that, to like open the way back to being, being a human. Um, but only by dying totally. That's what he says. Like the saint is, is someone in whom he does, in whom he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him. Um, and that costs the death of the old self. Uh, and then you can enter into the, the divine life. Um, and he says that you can have extraordinary gifts. Like you can be, you can be extraordinary and not like the non-normal sense of like a Thomas Aquinas intellect or, or something, some charismatic gift, or you can be just a simple brother Lawrence doing whatever he did at his monastery. And he's not alive anymore in himself. It's Christ living in him. And then the thing about that is that we don't all just become this same cookie cutter, boring, like, oh, you're Christ, I'm Christ, he's Christ, she's Christ. We're all just the same person. <clears throat> because Christ is the infinite Godhead, each of us becomes the particular unrepeatable instance of God's creative love that we're meant to be. And so your personality comes out, actually. You become a personality, he says, in the measure that you totally glorify God with every part of your being. So that's not playing shuffleboard in the suburbs, which is what they do in the show for, for eons, you know, um, it's some other mode of existence and that's what I want, but I don't know how to do it. Hmm. Story complete. Hmm. That, that show, that sounds, it sounds unfair. It's like, there has to be something different. Death, like after death, it can't just be more of the same. Yeah, like, and that's the that's kind of the point of the show is that she he's boring and doesn't mind it. He's like, I'm happy here. This is good. And she's yeah. like, I need something different. And so she goes off with somebody, not to spoil it, spoiler alert if you're gonna watch the show, but oh, they go she off leaves to him? she leaves him uh, oh, to go to this place called Oceanside, which is literally a cocktail party on the beach. And uh-huh. and I, I keep thinking go. like, okay, this has got to be hell, right? Uh <laughs> just going to a cocktail party with a bunch of people you don't know in a bougie beach house. This this cannot be what you think heaven is. Uh, but like I said, it just and, and it kind of it kind of says that, but I don't know, huh? Yeah, it's interesting. It's I mean, if you got any thoughts on that, I'm that's very intriguing um, in a lot of ways. It just I was thinking at some parts of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just going back to something like, uh, <clears throat> like a book like *Brideshead* or something, which at least was like always the Father Oaks interpretation was that, like, that's the brilliance of it is that the protagonist of the story is Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, which man, I need to read that book um, again, just of how many different factors and players there are in it but you take even something like that i mean it's a very interesting thought experiment and even even in a culture and kind of setting that i think is oftentimes like very intriguing to i don't know like a millennial american you know of no like just continue just continue that and it's like okay at some point that gets really really boring like that can't be that can't be it um but then if you do like have this ability to 
see grace kind of infiltrating that in a way. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, the word, I don't really have words on it past that, but it's like, gosh, there, that's such, such a better, um, at least more beautiful kind of view of reality. Yeah. I also thought of the, um, well, I guess the, the general idea that sin, um, it, well, sin is boring ultimately, which we've talked about before, but it doesn't make you unique if you can do like the worst thing and it doesn't make you special or anything like that. But that sin, um, just kind of, it's like the suburbs. It just makes everything the same. Uh, it flattens everybody out it makes you inhuman. It doesn't make you more human. Um, and that what actually makes you more human is to live a life in, in God's presence and, and the grace and, and the love that he has for you. Um, which is why, yeah, I, I had a really interesting, it stayed with me, a really interesting discussion. Actually, Brimmer came up and gave a talk to our young adults at the parish here. Which Brimmer. was awesome. Oh, Brimmer. Brimmer. And that was, hey, man. Michael Brimmer, ooh. man. Michael hey, Brimmer. Father Michael Brimmer. Hey, Praise nice the Lord. question. Hey, Thank you, you, man. All right. Yeah, guy's a legend. Um, but we You're had him come up in like mid-November. And give a talk on saints and the Blessed Mother and what we teach as Catholics and um, what that actually looks like. And um, we got into a little discussion around the Immaculate Conception. And one of the questions from uh, one of the young adults was essentially something like, well, how does Mary know what it's like to be human if she can't sin, if she hasn't sinned? And I think that question actually gets to like this deep Hmm presupposition that that we that we believe is like um no that's actually how you really live because then then you suffer and you have fun and that's like the whole human experience is lived on this spectrum of um yeah i I mean i guess I, i that may be saying it too far but um yeah to err is human like that's that's foundational. That's fundamental for how we think about being human. But what we got to discover is like, no, Mary actually was the most human. She was fully human, um, more than anybody ever before. And that her, um, her choice to not sin, because of course she was still free, um, did not keep her from the full human experience. Um, Meaning that her own personal experience of sin, like, was not necessary in order for her to, to be quote unquote alive, to to have the human experience, um, yeah. And then you know, and then you look at the the depths of of her suffering, like, she she suffered in so intensely, um, but she was she was always open to to what God was doing in her life. She fully understood herself as a creature. Um, and it didn't make her, it made her, yeah, I guess in, in the words from that Hildebrand book, it made her totally normal. Um, and that she was constantly dependent on God filling her. But yeah, I just, I just thought that was super interesting that that question surfaced because some girls, she just kind of like said it and mm-hmm. was like, oh man, that, that gets at something, something mm-hmm. deep that I think we subconsciously believe, but it's not not true ultimately yeah 
to air is human. That's such an easy thing to say. Oh, totally. Gosh, well, it's know, it's like, true in the sense can, that only humans err, you know? Uh, exact, that's exactly it, because that's, <clears throat> man, you can dress that up in so many ways. To I mean, I'm sure always as well, and it's still not true. Mm-hmm. But rather, yeah, like the flip of what you just said of only humans err. Whoa. Whoa. What were you saying? I'm blown away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a nug, dude. That is a nug. Come for the banter. Stay for the nug. Um, It just goes back to for me to Tim Gomkowski's tweet from way back. Something like uh, being authentic does not mean being the worst version of yourself or something like that. To me, just hit this uh, this false idea that like, oh, I'm real, man. You know, like I say, swear words and um, do bad things. You know, I'm just I, being I've me. lived it. I'm just yeah. This is just me, man. I'm 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 a real Christian. I keep it real. Yeah. And you're like, okay, but that's not really like if sin is not the real you. It's some ersatz version of you. It's some some pathological or you know not fully you then that's not authentic but also it's not authentic to just i was thinking of this when when kanye did you follow it all kanye's new album um that's all christian Jesus is king very like remotely yeah. yeah same so he's he's basically publicly come out as like i'm a christian now i'm a christian artist christian rapper um i think he was asked by one of the late night hosts like are you a christian rapper now and he's like, I'm a Christian everything, uh, which is a good answer, actually. Uh, it means he's not making Christian rap. He's just a rapper who's Christian. But also there's no swears in it, and it's all about Jesus. Um, and also Chick-fil-A and other things. But um, <laughs> he... Uh, this is synonymous, really. <laughs> to me, he's a very interesting personality in the in the more um, colloquial sense. Like, he's unique. He's very different and yeah. eccentric. Um, but I watched an interview with him and this is no judgment on him, but, um, like he says a couple swears in the interview and he stops himself every time he's like, Oh, my Christian scorecard just went down. And it sort of feels like when I, when I see someone doing that, where they're like suppressing their personality or some expression of themselves. Now it's not good to swear. Um, and certainly some of the stuff he said in his raps is, is deplorable, uh, and gross. And that's good to say, like, I don't want to do that anymore, but um it also sort of feels like a little bit like you're putting on a suit like my christian scorecard even that even that way of thinking is like oh christians aren't supposed to swear so i'm not gonna swear um ideally like your your life should have this moral clarity to it but coming out of an authentic uh desire to please god and to serve him and others uh in a way that's unique to you you know so that it's not you know, what was consoling to me about this book is like, yeah, there's things that I, there's things about me that just feel like sometimes isolate me or like I don't, um, this is also no judgment, but this book's in Sinu Yezu. Did you ever, you just, were you around when that caught fire among seminarians and young priests? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got nothing out of that book. It's just like, I don't get it, you know, and everybody loves it. 
uh, and it's speaking to something deep, but this just isn't me. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, and that's not, it doesn't have to be, maybe it is something wrong in me that I'm not getting this, but, um, I think there's also a possibility that there's just, there's a way that God loves me and that I am made to love him back. That's unique. And part of the overall picture um but that it's very consoling to me that you don't have to be a cookie cutter like fit everybody else's expectations of what a priest or a christian is supposed to be but at the same time be totally totally alive and totally in like the unitive way of like i want what god wants and that's particular to my personality without falling into the cult of personality where it's like it's just me man that's why i don't shave or whatever um, that's not a personality. I gave showers <laughs> up when I started following Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> What's that, Chris Farley? Because I, because <laughs> yeah, right. I sweat when I eat donuts. Or, <laughs> I, I, I pop pimples I, with a protractor I used in high school. Because <laughs> I, uh, children are afraid of me when they talk to me. Yeah, I keep yeah. using this. Were you doing quotes? air quotes right yeah. there? Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're I, very, they're very specific scare quotes. Right? Children, where the, the fingers are together and they just the double clutch. Yeah, the double clutch. That's right, dude. Chris, that Farley. is a funny character. Rest uh, in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, no Gosh, no, we're talking about a personality. He yeah. is the fourth dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually got to meet Fred Armiston in what? the airport in L.A. Was he as yeah. nice as he seems? So I caught him off guard. It was a whirlwind of an experience. I was about to leave for <laughs> Malaysia. I'm so intrigued right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to leave for Malaysia. And to I'm kill on the, the Prime phone. Minister of Malaysia? <laughs> Obey my dog. <laughs> I did the pierogi necktie. Uh, so I'm on the phone with one of my younger brothers, and we were like trying to get some business squared away right before I left for four weeks to a foreign country on the other side of the world. And so I'm like really into the phone conversation, and we're talking about pretty intense stuff, some like family stuff, and <laughs> I'm terrible with names. And so I'm talking to Kev and all of a sudden Fred Armistead walks through the airport and I'm dressed as, I mean, I'm in my collar. I'm dressed as a priest and like mid conversation. I'm like, yeah, I kept Kevin, shut up. Do you know who just walked <laughs> in right now? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, you know who it is? Have you ever seen the show Portland? <laughs> Which was like the thing that I, I had been watching some of his, like the YouTube videos of his miniature skits of Portlandia, which it honestly sounds like this show forever is That's Portlandia played out yeah yeah maybe in like a different plot line but i i tell him like kev the guy from portlandia uh he just walked into the airport and kev's like dude no way i'm like kev what's his name <laughs> what's his name and he's like i don't know man i know exactly who you're talking about and so i'm like kev just shut up hang tight and so i i like put my hand against the phone and just come up to Fred Armisen, who's pretty You didn't famous, like Google who dude. his na- what his name was or anything? Or no, there dude, wasn't he time. was on the move, bro. Oh, he was okay. on the move. And I, I come up and I'm like, hey, hey, um, are you the guy from Portlandia? Oh man. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, I'm like, dude, I love that show. You are hilarious, man. All right, peace, brother. <laughs> yeah, she must get that, that constantly. 
Dallas. I was like, dang it, man. I feel like a chump, but I got to say hey to this guy. He's like, that show seriously makes me, it's very, very funny. Very, Maybe very he'll funny. see you on a website and email you. I doubtful. I don't. You never know. I don't think. I was very sincere about it, and uh, I didn't tell him I didn't know his name, but I'm guessing he picked it up by, by saying, saying, are you the are guy? Are you the guy from Portlandia? <laughs> Which is a pretty obscure reference, but I said, hey, dude, I think you're so hilarious, and I love your love your little show. And then it's like, gotta go, gotta, gotta finish talking to my brother. <laughs> All right. And then just head it off. That's crazy. So did he say anything? No. He was just really grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems like kind of a, I don't know, like a meek, meek kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and that's a character he always plays too. Yeah, he does. He does. Very much uh, in this show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wonder, the the only other thing that, that kind of play with the intensity of God's presence, but then also, like, I, my soul desires this rest with the Lord. Um and he doesn't want us always to just be on the move, um, to just be doing things for him. But he ultimately wants us to, um, like live in the union of love that he has for us. And there's just something helpful that I always come back to. Um, and I think people kind of, kind of say it, but maybe more clichely, but it, it certainly fits. Um, it has a fittedness to it is this the idea of the seasons of the spiritual life and that there's different moments for different things and like the full experience of God cannot be encapsulated all in in one singular moment as a finite creature. And so there are times where I find the presence of God to be very intense and um and yeah, it like engages all of my senses and faculties and uh a way that, um, yeah, that I, I've never felt before, but then there's other times where it's like, there's a type of a restfulness that allows me to, um, to totally sink into the love of God in a way that I, I also didn't know was possible. Um, but I can't have them both simultaneously, you know? So there's like some times where I rest with the Lord and then other times where, um, he engages me in a different way. And, um, I I just think that that's helpful to throw into the into the whole idea of it, where it's not always one thing all the time, but that um, there's types of seasons that come that come with the Lord, that come with that relationship, like any relationship, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but there's yeah no, that's really good. But that's also not like that's like uh, Peeper's whole thing on the workaday world. Is that like, but you're right. still very different in yep. that you're not like, you're not just weekending to get back to work, you know, and right. you're also not, you also shouldn't be working just to get to the weekend. Um, like right. there's something I think he would say that's deeply inhuman about that, but I like that what you said there. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself yeah, sometimes I, longing I, I for, I wonder, it's like, sorry. You always wonder what. Oh, you go. Uh, I was going to say that I, I find myself longing for previous seasons sometimes. Um, mm. Not of the well, we literally have seasons in this podcast. You could go back to where we were at spiritually. Oh, that's true. <laughs> three years ago, if you wanted to. Um, 
but like I think about seminary as a time of very intense spiritual growth and it was very it was regimented in its way um of how I was living and stuff and it was it was just really conducive to practicing the presence of God um but at the same time I was learning I was still I was very like new to it but I I go back a lot to experiences I had prayer experiences and and ministry like examples of priests that I wanted to be like and looked up to uh and now I'm in these roles and I'm it's it's a little bit more isolated uh that you're not in this community of like-minded people in the same way you are in a certain way you can be insulated in the parish or in the Newman Center but you feel a little bit more exposed um and also you're responsible for other things like all the administrating and um stuff like that where um it's just a new way I, I can see how it's very tempting to just not be very theological or spiritual about the things you're doing and bracketing God to when you do yeah. pray, you know, but, uh, this season in life, it's more challenging to see God's hand in everything or feel like, um, yeah, I'm exactly where I'm, I'm supposed to be right now in this meeting, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> You had similar challenges in, in seminary. Certainly there were meetings and, and classes that sometimes felt like, what's the point of this? But um, I don't know. It's uh, it's forward, not backward in the in the spiritual life. It's like God has something that he's drawing me into that, you know, because there's also parts of me that get exposed that I didn't even know about myself, that if I didn't have to do this, if I, if I weren't in this position, um. God would never have kind of like gotten to this um, soft spot in my heart where there's fear or or whatever yeah. to to address that. Um, and you can't you can't do that uh, on your. I mean, I keep going to Brother Lawrence, but or like Athos, which I haven't brought up in a while. I think to myself like it's been at least a week. <laughs> part of what is really attractive to me about that is not so much like living in the freezing cold winters of, of a place without electricity and um, a hermitage where you're just like carving crucifixes and reading books. Uh, that is attractive in, in a certain way on a human level to be free of all the noise and stuff like that. But I mean, the hardship of it is intense, but there is nothing to do but commune with God. That's the whole point of it. Whereas in the life that we lead, there's a lot of other stuff that's not that. And um, yeah, there's, you know, that's it. That's interesting. Of, I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, I mean, Baron would talk about it a lot. He talked about it a lot on that retreat we were on with him. But just the talking about like John Paul II's law of the gift thing, where your like your being expands in the capacity by which you're able to give give yourself yeah. away. Yeah. And it's like that's so cool to say, and like you're like, man, that's that's it. But then it, I mean, it is, that's hard to know like what that is actually. It's like, okay, what is, right, right. what does that even mean? You know? And, uh, but I do kind of have this desire of, and it's, it's almost going back to like, uh, I remember talking about, uh, Cardinal George's horizon thing where like finally the last horizon is, is death and, um, how those different horizons change throughout life of like it's ordination and then it's this and then it's that. And, um, 
But I do have this desire after watching Les Mis of if I ever get to retire someday, I want to be like 80 and just live out in the woods in a cabin, be able to offer like spiritual direction to priests or whatever. Who cares? You know, at that point. And, uh, <laughs> but just like be out in a cabin in the woods and then hopefully I'll be able to, whenever I'm ready to die, we'll be able to go and like go to some convent and sisters will take care of me until I die. Just like Jean Valjean. That's a legit desire <laughs> yeah. in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've actually thought about that because it's been there for a while in just like a funny way like that. Um, but I think that it's actually more to do with like, huh, that's, that's actually, I think like more to do at a deeper level with the expansion of my being as a human and hopefully as a, as a priest as well, that no, like that would actually require like for that to that desire to even be possible, let alone like what it'll play out like in reality, but for that to be possible to go live in a practice or live in a, a cabin in the woods and, in a sense, like commune with God for your final days. Yeah. Like that requires like an expansion of being, which I'm pretty sure is only possible via a life of giving yourself away in the capacity that God wants you to do. Mm. And so again, I don't like, that's pretty abstract still, but the image has actually helped me like get into that maybe just a little bit more of, okay, well, I'm very attracted to that. And I think it's one of the deepest and kind of most pressing theological concepts that, that we have, especially right now. And it's one of those things you, it's in, it makes perfect sense. And then it like, you have no idea what it is at the same time, but at least I have an image of what it might look like. And you're like, dang, that would be awesome. And that also makes that real. Yeah. 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 One thing you can't anticipate is what God is going to make you into, you know, when we're 80. I think about getting old constantly, Um, especially in terms of like, oh, man, what what happens when your body just stops working? Like the things you just take for granted, Mm -hmm. joints and digestion and heart and, Uh uh, you know, losing your memory and things like that. And, um, but there's this part of you that's um, that doesn't get old and decay, but actually gets newer and fresher as you get older. Um, hopefully, if you're you know exposing your soul to grace constantly, I, I just think the Eucharist every day has an effect where it it makes you young, it, or you know, um, it reverses that death and decay process that sin has, yeah. and makes you like restores your innocence. Um, well, but you may, can't and maybe picture... another way to say it is it keeps you, it sustains you while the rest of you, while the not you falls away. Mm-hmm. It's like the Eucharist keeps the real you there and everything else is going to go. But like Father Boyle, <laughs> that guy, it, the Eucharist has, has sustained him. Right. And the things mm-hmm. that are not him, have have gone and maybe maybe that's <laughs> life dude talk about another personality jeez louise yeah. <laughs> there was a so i cut you off there connor no that's good keep going um 
a quote I read recently from anybody who's a devotee of this guy will probably know who this is from. Uh, but Jasani, um, founder of CL, he says that, uh, um, he said, I didn't know what Christianity, what, what, oh man, shoot. Sorry guys. I didn't know what Christianity really was until I could no longer like go to the bathroom on my own. Meaning mm. like I, I, I still thought I could, I still thought I was in, in control. I still thought yeah. I, um, I could do things on my own. And he was like, until like literally everything was stripped away, um, to the point where I, I couldn't even go to the bathroom on my own. Like, and so, but there's a difference. Okay. That's like such a miserable experience, the ultimate ego death. And he experienced profound joy in it because he was able to see the reality of himself and God providing like, no, this is, this is really true. And it's not a bad thing, but that this is actually a good thing is you are a creature. Now let me provide for you entirely. So it was actually a source of joy for Mm -hmm. him. And man, oh man, just like recently the Lord's been doing a lot in my life and I think there's a real difference in like all the spiritual growth that we're talking about, the growth in in God's presence and how he changes us and refines us and transforms us and all of this. But as all of that, all of that language is like Bride said, God as the protagonist. Because you can have a growth in moral virtue or moral action and you be the driver and and primary mover of your own quote unquote doing, doing better. Um, and so the idea in real, in real spiritual growth, the times are the, where the Lord is the one who's actually doing these things. Um, like he's, he's going to be the center of it instead of us being at the center of it, trying to, trying to sanctify ourselves. Um, I know it's an idea that we kind of come back to quite a bit, but there's a huge difference that's there. Um, yeah. And so like, well, when do I rest? Well, when do I, um, when do I, you know, really intensely give myself or really intensely follow the Lord? And it's like, well, let the Lord, let the Lord lead you. And then, and then just commune with the Lord and he'll be the one that, that does everything in you. Um, but the flip side, when, when we're at the center of it, um, man, it can be really tempting because you can do a lot of great things and, um, you can have a, a massive growth in in the moral life, but you're still the, the center of it all. Hmm. Um, yeah. It, and then, you get to that, that level of your poverty and it's like, no, now Christ is going to provide everything for me. Um, and like just, just how real that is. And I, I think that's where the Lord wants to take us. Um, and there's an even, I think there's a, another level, which is the communal corporate level of the church that, um, that this Von Hildebrand book gets at that. Um, I think we tend to think of, communion like the the mass for instance i I mean we just did it i did it they're saying like the receiving the eucharist every day 
will make you into a saint somehow and you don't know how and god is the protagonist and like in bride's head the eucharist is the protagonist and the invisible thread that kind of makes sense of our individual lives uh is god and his plan and um that story but at the same time the the communion as the church with christ in the mass all corporately together is actually the higher end you know um and in a way individual sanctification is a byproduct of that but the the whole the whole story is all of us together through the ages too like all the dead people that are in heaven and purgatory and all of us here on earth and giving praise to god in through and with him with christ uh together being drawn back as a body um and up into the divine life and that that is a whole thing that like you cannot see you can't you can't get um what that like that you're a i remember there was this kind of throwaway line in a sort of deep um soft sophomore in high school kind of deep movie called waking life it was a richard linklater movie uh that was trippy and it was about dreaming and lucid dreaming and what reality is and it was just like all these philosophers and this one guy says um when you realize you're a dream figure in someone else's dream that is self-awareness and i remember thinking uh as like a freshman in college like that is so deep man you walk around at night and just sort of like being ponderous and um you see somebody you know like a hundred yards away from you that just glances at you and you're like what am i in their story you know um (laughs) which is kind of like whoa man that's deep but um i think the the christian version of that is that we all are playing this part somehow where the point of the mass is not like okay let's get my grace so i can go out in the world and and do what i'm supposed to do and then get to heaven um the mass is the point in a way you know what i'm saying like it is also giving you sanctifying grace to be a saint and live out your individual salvation. But at the end of at, at the end of it all, what heaven is, is that all of us communally worshiping God and adoring him and glorifying him and us reflecting that glory and being able to look at ourselves and the people next to us and being like, yeah, man, I see it. I see God magnified in all of us. Um, and everyone is indispensable because everyone's an unduplicable, um, uh, manifestation of that glory you know because he's infinite so go to mass or as cardinal george says go to mass or go to hell because the mass (laughs) is heaven if you don't like the mass you're not gonna like heaven it's also newman say that that's the first parochial and plain sermon in newman how heaven would be would feel like damnation to the damned if you hate Mm. god you don't want to be in heaven On my Christmas homily. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <clears throat> All right, dudes. Great Good talk. Stuff. I got to get going, though. All right. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisque, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And fear.
Spooky dogs. Spooky dogs. Good girl.